Welcome to the Distiller Podcast. Today we're recording from the Anchor in Over the Rhine. You can probably hear the sounds of uh, a functioning restaurant behind us. Uh, we're right across from the beautiful Washington Park in Cincinnati, Ohio. And my guest today for our inaugural episode is uh, a Cincinnati fixture. Chances are, if you've spent any time in Cincinnati in the past decade, you probably know, uh, probably have spent some time with, maybe gone to Szechuan Chili with Dan Corman. Uh, and you probably visited his Green General Store Park and Vine during its long and successful run. Um, Dan's moved on to some other things, and today we're going to find out a little bit uh, about what he's doing and why as we examine what this podcast is about, which is the idea of meaningful work, the soul of work, how we find meaningful work and how we find meaning in the work that we do. So thanks for being here, Dan. Glad to be here. I really, really appreciate it. I kind of feel like we're on the Today Show or something, you know, with the windows right. behind well, you so people can stop by and 50,000 people faces. back there banging on the windows. Yeah, look at all the people outside. <laughs> <laughs> Not a soul. Not a soul. Not a soul a on Ray cars. Street today. That's a Tuesday. It's Tuesday. So... Here's, I, I want to do a couple of things. First of all, I want to start off. A lot of people know you from being in town, but they don't know you before Park and Vine. Like, they don't know you with your Cincinnati history. Right. And then I, I expect there's a whole bunch of people who are really interested in finding out um, a little bit more about what happened around the closing of the store and really what was going on in your mind and then what you're doing next. That's, right. That's the plan. Yeah, those are all good things. So, um, and, and any second now, uh, Omi's going to come by and, and serve us a drink, uh, which I'm looking forward to, too. Me too. So. Yeah, we're ready. So, uh, you're a Cincinnati kid. You were born in yeah. Cincinnati, grew up? Born and raised. What neighborhood? Like, that's yeah. the question in Cincinnati is it's, what high school did you go to? Uh, yeah, exactly. In Delhi, actually. Okay. I mean, it kind of feels like Price Hill, but it's actually in, in right. Delhi. I don't remember living there because uh-huh. I was so young with my sister because our parents divorced. Okay. When we were very young, maybe three or four All right. years old. Yeah. Same with you as yep. well. Three years so old. So, the only, me- I mean, occasionally I have like this kind of distant memory of that house mm-hmm. you know after i see a photo or, or something of me sitting in a high chair or, or my sister and right. me like playing outside yeah otherwise i don't have a lot of vivid memories because of my age yep i hear you i have like weird uh distant memories of the apartment on st Clair street in idaho falls idaho where i was born wow that's it so and then you uh your your folks split up did you live in cincinnati still after that or did you move away then when you were a kid yeah my recollection is that we uh, moved with our mom to an apartment in Mount Adams. So okay. this would have been in the very early 70s on Baum Street, B-A-U-M okay. Street, which there may be a smattering of older buildings there now, but it's mostly new construction or yeah. nothing. Yeah. And my memory there is sitting on the fire escape, eating breakfast, lunch, dinner oh, I love it. with downtown Cincinnati, like right yeah. there, right in our faces. Right, the skyline. Yeah, and then we would walk up the hill, mm-hmm. which I forget the name of the hill right now, or the street, to Holy Cross School. Up to Monastery? Yeah, up, yeah, okay. up to Monastery, uh-huh. which the school is no longer there. It's now you know, a building from the 80s. Right. Some uh, long, long-term, long-time Cincinnati folks might remember Peterson's Restaurant, which was there. Do you, were you around I wasn't here for that? that? No. Oh, man, that's such a, that was such a great spot. There was one downtown, there the, was one in Clifton, too. I got here in the early 2000s. Okay, that's... It might have still been here. Who knows? I'm not sure right. when they left. And then shortly after that, then we moved to uh, Mount Airy to live with All our right. dad, who then got married to mm-hmm. his second wife. We were going to Mount Airy Elementary School. Okay. And then shortly after that, then we moved out to Colerain, and we were there for a few years with my dad and my stepmom. And then they had a, a daughter together, mm-hmm. my sister Kelly. 
who's in Raleigh right now. Okay. So that, that one of the cities you've been looking at. One of the cities I've been looking at. Yeah. And then uh, we ended up, my sister, not Kelly, my sister Felicia and I ended up in Madeira back with her mom again. Man. So we went full circle. Yeah, you kind of did the the circuit. Yeah, we did a circuit for now sure. Now you're doing on your bike. Yeah. I haven't like drawn it out <laughs> on a map or anything, but there's definitely there's definitely some lineage right. or a circuit there. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And then, so you moved to Chicago for college? When did you move to Chicago? Well, I went to after high school, which I graduated in 1985, so I'm, I'm happy to age myself here. There you go. I went to OSU because I was determined to get out of Cincinnati at 18 years old uh-huh. and try a new city. I was back in six months. Yeah. And then went to UC. Okay. And after kind of fiddling around for about a year, just in general studies, I ended up in urban planning All right. and I got my degree in urban planning. Uh-huh. Uh, even though looking back, especially now, I always wanted to be a, a forest ranger or a wildlife manager or something like that. And for some reason, I just totally got off track. Yeah. Um, so I moved out to San Diego for about a year and my sister Felicia was living out there. She encouraged me to come out after I graduated. Well, so, so talk about that for a second, because I yeah. mean that question of work and like how you're making the decisions you're making, like what got you off track? Like my, my dad, same thing, you and I were talking about right. this the other day. My dad only ever wanted to be a marine biologist or a forest ranger and somehow ended up like a nuclear engineer. Right. Like what were the forces in your life when you were young and you were trying to decide what you were gonna do that made you go? I mean, ur- urban planning is, has a lot in common actually with your concerns it now, but it's not what you're doing. Exactly. Um, I mean, looking back on it, growing up in the 70s, I mean, you're a 70s kid, although yep. you're younger than I am. Uh, I mean, that just seemed like it was in our face a uh-huh. lot. You know, the whole Woodsy the Owl, the, right. the Crying Indian, and, and all kinds of other public service announcements were so focused on nature. Yeah. And we watched a lot of public television. We watched Wild Kingdom with, with the guy whose name I can't remember right now, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Oh, I'm blanking on it, too. Yeah. I can remember the theme song. Me, too. But I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah. Anyway. And then there was a show on before or after that. They were both half hours, and that one was called Wild Animals, I think. Okay. So I obsessively watched. Yeah those programs all of them and uh i did start as a voice or no a cub scout mm-hmm. went through we below and i just i just lost interest for whatever whatever reason you went further than i did really i, I was a cub scout for a week <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know how many years i was a cub scout or months or whatever however long it was at the yeah. time it seemed like an eternity but before you went to boy scouts you were like i'm, I'm done i'm, I'm out of here okay. yeah um so yeah that yeah. That is an interesting concept, though, because it's coming back to me again, this whole right. idea of being a, a forest ranger or working in wildlife management or forestry in general. Yeah. Here I am, 50 years old, and that is, like, top of mind What you want to do. Yeah. All right, so let's – I, I want to get there, but let's talk about – so you moved to Chicago. Uh, yeah, so when I was in San Diego – I was out in San Diego for about a year, just okay. kind of piddling San around Diego a little first. bit, doing some odd jobs. Yep. Came back to Cincinnati for four years and hit the ground running. I worked with the Over the Rhine Chamber of Commerce, Mm -hmm. Cincinnati Preservation Association. Then I got my first Main Street gig over with the city of Newport. So I was working with volunteers in the city on on the Mama Street corridor. Right. And then I went to visit a friend in New York. I may have told you this when we sat on the porch last week. I don't think so. My friend Leela from Cincinnati, she moved to New York and she invited me to visit her. So I did. Like four weeks later after that visit, I was living in New York. Wow. I mean, it struck me that much to be there in that city. How old were you then? So I would have been, I think I was 29. Okay. Yeah. So then I was there for about a year and a half. And for whatever reason, I 
I wasn't really digging the job that Mm -hmm. I had, but looking back on it now, it was actually a good job Mm -hmm. for that point in my life. But for some reason at the time, it didn't, didn't feel right to me. Sure. I think it was the, the environment. It was a very affluent environment, Mm -hmm. uh, working with a lot of people who had a lot of money and, uh, it just didn't settle with me for some reason. Um, I I think I wanted to get my hands a little bit, literally more dirty than that. And then I bounced to uh, Chicago okay. after considering moving back to Cincinnati and I thought nah, it's, it's too soon I've only been gone for a year and a half it's right. too soon to burn so my how long back. in New York so New York a year and a half and then I went to Chicago and I was there for nine years okay yeah and those were some of the best years of my life and I saw something recently that I wish I wish I had written it down or made a better note of it but someone recalling her father telling her that her 30s would be the best years right of her life yeah and you know, and it depends on who you talk to, of course. So far, for me, I would say that would be the same for me at this yeah. point. Yeah. My thirties. I mean, it was just every opportunity that I I pursued was was given to mm-hmm. me. It was just this endless. And what were you doing while you were there? When I when I first landed there, I was doing similar work that I was doing for the city of Newport, mm-hmm. the Main Street program. I did that at two local for two local communities. So, like community and neighborhood work. Exactly, okay. and then I ended up working for the state of Illinois, uh, Illinois, Main, the state of Illinois Main Street program. Okay, and then like six months, I was recruited for that job actually, and uh-huh. I was so excited about it. And then six months in, the governor at the time cut it, so we were all dispersed within the Department of, Ed, of Economic Opportunity, I think it's what it's called, and I was placed in the Bureau of Tourism. Okay, and met some really great, dynamic, very creative people. Yeah, two of which who are still there. Um, which would have been like 2000, is that like 2002 or something like that? 2003, and two of them are still there. Well, see, the funny, I mean, the thing is it all makes sense. Like all these different things like, uh, you know, community work and neighborhood work and city planning and tourism, like obviously are all parts, like really strong parts of who you are. It's right. not like any of them is, a, is wide, wildly divergent or I can't imagine you doing right. them. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it it's not like any of the work that I was doing was an affront to my my personality or my you know my, my passions or my right. core of my being. Yeah. And then <clears throat> then a job came up with the Chicago Land Bicycle Federation. I, I don't even remember how I heard about it okay. or found out about it. Um, even Chicago, the size of a city like that, uh-huh. it's it's can get small and you start you 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 meet your own communities and your own people and you sure. figure out where things are and how things are happening. So I interviewed for that job and was offered the position, and that was my last job in Chicago. Nice. And for the most part, that was one of the highlights of my, my and career. how long was that? It was about three, three and a half years. Okay. And then you decided to move back. Yeah, and then in 2000, early 2006, I started getting the itch. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, you know, I was reading about Cincinnati again, paying attention to what was going on here, coming yep. back for more frequent visits, and I just got this bug to do something entrepreneurial and something very hard, which is retail. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of research. I attended workshops. I developed a business plan. Um, and the other thing is, is I came back here with very few connections mm-hmm. in place. There were still a couple people from... 11 years you've been gone. Yeah, that I'd been gone 11 years, and there were still some people that I was somewhat in touch with, but the city and the neighborhood over the Rhine had changed yeah. a lot since then. And somehow I was able to piece it all together. And after I landed here in January 2007, I opened the store on, on Vine, before much of which 
we see now around us was yeah, you were even imagined kind of the, the first time. one there in that neighborhood. I mean, your Park and Vine was on Main Street before it closed, but when you opened at actually Park and Vine at the corner of Central Parkway and Vine, right, you were alone. Yeah, like in terms of businesses moving into the neighborhood, like entrepreneurial ventures, at least as far as I remember, because I was brand new right to town as well. But it seemed like you were you were really sort of like. You know, homesteading is not the right word, but kind of forging out there. Oh, right. It's time it is. for us to take a break because Omi is going to pleasure us with a beautiful cocktail. <laughs> so, Omi, tell us uh, a little bit, if you would, about what we're drinking today. All right. So, what we have here are a couple of uh, Oaxacan old fashions. Um, they're uh, mezcal and reposado tequila based old fashions. They're what we call like a modern classic. Um, Alex Day came up with them at Death & Co. in New York in like the late 2000s, and they kind of took off just being such a solid riff on a classic old-fashioned. Um, pretty much this is an ounce of Delma Gay Vida Mezcal, and then an ounce of Cazadores Reposado Tequila, um, like a shy quarter ounce of Demerara Syrup, and then a couple dashes of Mole Bitters, and then it's just a little Mezcal rinse in the glass, and it's garnished with a grapefruit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. Wow, that was right. Fantastic. Omi, thank you. Of course, fellas. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. All right. (laughs) The distiller. Yes. Oh, that is really delightful. Wow. It is. All right. Thank you. So we're going to continue to sip while we talk a little bit. Yes. Uh, Quench my thirst. That's that's fantastic. So, I'm, I'm really interested in the idea, like I was saying, the things that you had done prior to coming back from Cincinnati all seem generally of a piece. Yes. Um, retail is, the, is, the, is really a, a diversion at that point. Yeah, it is. Um, and you said right. you got the, the urge to do something hard, to do something entrepreneurial. Where right. did that come from? Was it, was it the, just that you were feeling stagnant in what you were doing? Why, number right. one, why something where the challenge is the first thing that you think of. Right. And then number two, like what about retail attracted you? Was it the community neighborhood aspect of it? Was it something about a store environment? Like what were you thinking? Right. Those are, those are good questions. I spent a lot of time at Green City Market in Chicago, which is a nonprofit um, uh, farmer's market uh-huh. that started in the Loop and then moved into Lincoln Park, just south of Lincoln Park Zoo. Okay. So friends and I, we would gather there starting on Wednesdays, and then it evolved into be, to being a sat- Saturday morning gathering, and most of us would arrive on bicycle, we'd get there super early, mostly when it started and there weren't that many people there, and we would grab a little circle and start drinking coffee, and over that time, I became acquainted with a lot of the, uh, the vendors, the farmers, the bread makers, the soap makers, all those folks, Okay, and there was just something about it that, that struck me, and... I mean, as corny as this sounds, I think another part of me growing up was watching shows like The Waltons and yeah. <laughs> and Little House on the Prairie and that little general store um, that I think a lot of oh, us man. Yes. Um, romanticized probably. The Olsons. Yeah, the Olsons, exactly. <laughs> but there was something about that, um, that mm-hmm. idea and that concept and that being a hub and a place for people to come together and just get basic things right. that really appealed to me. So n- not having a retail experience other than working odd jobs, you know, in high school and up through college a little, a little bit, not that much, um, or even running a business is the first time I had ever done wow. that or thought about doing that. You really jumped into the deep end. Yeah, I just hit it full throttle. 
Okay. And it just it just kind of came out of nowhere. Did you when you moved back? Like, did you have the space and the business idea and the plan and all of that before you moved, or did you develop that in Chicago before you moved back? Yeah, developed the plan when I was there, and I had an idea of the space where it would be okay. when I was still living there. Even though we hadn't, or I hadn't, I keep saying we, and that's my nonprofit brain sure. saying we or us or our instead of me, mine, and I or whatever. Well, which is, I mean, honestly, I don't mean to be to be corny about it, but it's part of who you are. Yeah. It seems like there there are things that you do that are you. You were saying before we started recording how much you enjoyed taking a couple of drives by yourself. Yep. But so many of the things that you do and are known for are community things. Like Absolutely. You yeah, are a hub. Just, yeah, it's just who it's just who who I am. Yeah. So yeah, the, the space wasn't figured out or finalized rather until I actually landed okay. back in Cincinnati. Right on. And How long from the time that you moved back until the store opened? Six months. Six months. Right. Maybe a little less than that. I spent a lot of time at just introducing myself to as many people as I possibly could. And I mean, that was really tech, uh, testing my the extrovert part yeah. of my personality, which I have since learned. I always thought I was an extrovert. And over the past couple of years, after taking Myers-Briggs, I am an introvert, actually. Yeah. That, no, that doesn't surprise me. Which it, I don't know why it surprises me, because most people I share that with, like you, who have known me for a long time. It doesn't well, surprise my friends. Yeah, I mean, I just see those parts of you. Like, I see the part of you. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I do a lot of public things, but I recharge yeah. in private. And I think I know enough about you to know that, like, you are capable of speaking to the masses and doing a community thing and bringing people together. But that's going to be, it's going to be satisfying to you. But where you're going to get, where you're right. going to recharge is going to be with a smaller group or by yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, and there was a... Uh, 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 Curb Your Enthusiasm is, is back on the air. And right. uh, what's his name? Larry David. Uh-huh. Uh, last week, there was a rebroadcast of an interview that he did with the guy who sat in for Terry Gross. Okay. This was a few years ago. Anyway, the guy, whoever his name is, was, you know, just talking to him about, you know, the start of his, his career and all of that. And he was saying, I'll make this very quick, and, but it really connected with me, and I'm sure it will with you and most everybody else. Mm-hmm that he didn't really have a lot of aspirations when he was little. He lived in this one little block in Brooklyn. He had his buddies like in his block, and that was his world. Things, when things changed for him is when he moved to, uh, or when he went to college. Yeah. And then it was like, the way he said it, too, in this interview was amazing, just about being in this new environment and how it unleashed this, this major part of his personality right. or who he really is. And I think that's what happened with me. Um, when I came came back here, yeah, kind of brought out this new yeah. Part it brought of you. out this other side, which is what I'm looking forward to happening to me next in, in the next phase. Yeah, in the next phase, or as some people call it, the next act. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good. I mean, it feels like that for you. Just okay. the unleashing of another aspect of of yourself that you yeah. weren't even aware of, or you're not paying attention to. Well, which is super important because I think a lot of people the. Part of the reason that I want to have these conversations and I want to do this podcast with people is that I think a lot of people have trouble navigating those phases. And a lot of people don't have, you know, my dad's generation, our parents' generation, you worked the same job for 40, 45 years. You could do that. You can't do that anymore. I mean, an industry that you might start in when you're in your 20s may not even exist when you're in your 30s. And so a lot of people have to navigate not only the movement from job to job, but career to career, whole way of life from one to the other, if not once or twice in their lives, multiple times in their lives. Right. And um, how you think about it and how you prioritize things. I'm fascinated by that. That's why I want to have 
these conversations. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I'm interested <laughs> in some of the stuff that's happening next. Uh, like highlights in terms of time. Uh, Park and Vine opened? 2007. Okay. June 2007. All right. And closed? And then so we move October Oh, uh, right. 2010, we moved to Main Street into a space that was about twice the size. The old quality space. The old quality space. Yep. Um, and then it closed earlier this year, which se- it seems so much longer yeah. ago than that, mid-January wow. of this year. So nearly just shy of 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Just, just shy of 10 years. Right? Okay. Crazy. You and know, and in the business plan, there was nothing stated there. Or I don't remember telling the world or even myself that, you know, the store would be around for you know, a certain period of time. Yeah. How long before it closed did you start thinking maybe this is over? Uh, about a year. Let's see. Well, this time last year, probably, because okay. I, I was meeting with, um, on a regular basis, my business coach, mm-hmm. um, Bob Pickford, who's most known for managing Finley Market for about 11 years. Right. And now he's with Hamilton County Redevelopment Corporation, okay. uh, or Development Corporation. And uh, that was one of the best connections I've made over the past several years. It's just having his, his wisdom right. at hand. Um, and we've remained friends since. And then my friend uh, Kristen Myers, who's an uh, attorney, she helped me through some legal issues since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And actually, she met her husband at, at Park and Vine. Nice. Um, There's got to be a few of those stories. Oh, yeah, there are those. That's one of the beauties of owning a small business, especially in the food, you know, like a, a retail or mm-hmm. restaurant business is that is likely to happen. Um, and then uh, who else? Oh, accountant helped out a little okay. bit too. So about this time last year is when the process started. Okay. So background for people that don't know or don't live in Cincinnati, Park and Vine, um, you always called a green general store. Right. Which is the best thing that I can think of. When it was in the original Park and Vine location at Central Parkway and Vine, single storefront space, pretty tight, but mm-hmm. really nice. Like just all the stuff that you couldn't reliably get anywhere else. I mean, um, from uh, non-toxic paints to sustainable uh, home goods and you know cloth canning diapers. supplies and cloth diapers and sort of like a great destination. And you had people fr- right from the start that were driving in from the suburbs. Yep, and because, other cities yeah. like Indianapolis and Columbus just automatically just started coming in on yeah. the weekends. And it was a great, I mean, it was a great hang every year. Uh, you would do the anniversary parties and <laughs> musicians and like that was, that was one of the best things. Is yeah, the, it was. The and you were there for I that. was. I yeah. was there for most, if not all of them. Yep. I love those. And then, uh, so 2007, when did you move again to Main Street? 2000, October 2000. So it was a year ago, October 1, 2010. Okay. So I had all these memories come up on my Facebook page oh, right. of me posting saying, oh, it's the second year of us being on Main Street. It's the third year. It's the fourth year. Yeah. It's the fifth year. It's the sixth year. And just seeing all of that makes me realize how much time was spent. Yeah. And now here I am without it looking back and it's like just quickly becoming this distant part of, of my life. It's so, interesting. Well, well, so I don't want to, um, I don't want to sidetrack the, the timing, but like, do you miss it? I miss this, this, like yeah. what we're doing right now, like having these kind of conversations. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the communal stuff is still happening. It's just happening differently now. Mm-hmm. And obviously I've lost touch with a lot of different people. Sure. And I forget who, who said it about people come into our lives, lives for reasons, seasons, lifetimes. Yeah. And that it was a combination of reasons and, and right. seasons. 
So I met, you know, like my dad will ask me, how do you, how do you know this person? Like when my dad and I are out, we, it seems like we're always running into somebody that I know. Right. And he asked me how I know them. And I just say, bark and vine, bark and vine, bark and vine. That, that store is what yeah. connected me to well, Cincinnati. Well, and not, not just like local relationships. And I mean, there's a ton of people that I know either because I met at the store or because I knew them or had run into the, some, them somewhere, but I would come into the store and they'd be there talking to you and friendships formed that way. Right. But then there's also the aspect of it that, um, you know, there's a lot of films made in Cincinnati in the last five or 10 years. So, uh, Nico Case, uh, <laughs> uh, what's her name? Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. Who's now your, your best friend. Right. Um, uh, who else? The list is oh, long. Oh, uh, Rob and Sherry Moon zombie uh-huh um i remember well the first time that she came in she had us take a photo of her i know rob took a photo of her in front of the lunch counter with the that. menu and then it went on you know her instagram account facebook and her blog yeah. and and then i guess they were coming back the year after that and she put something up on her blog that she was looking forward to coming back That's to great. the store for because we had this uh halushki which is this polish oh, noodle because yeah. oh, she's polish halushki. Yeah. and vegan and she couldn't believe that we had some of these uh, yeah. vegan delicacies um, I don't think they ended up coming back though because we were keeping our eyes on them and I guess something suddenly came up hard, and they were able to miss yeah they would <laughs> I mean as soon as they walked in the door we knew they, they were somebody right yeah, and then the same thing happened Well, last. you said that Nico Case was wandering around the store for like an hour before you even knew that she was there. Oh, yeah, there. I just feel like such a fool. And actually, I was at that show that night, too. The infamous Nico Case show at the Taft? Yes. Yeah. So here I am, like, engaging her and her dude, whoever the guy was. Um, and then when I went to the show at the Taft uh, Theater downtown, I walked in, and I saw him standing behind the T-shirt table. That was when you knew? Yeah, and, and oh, then when I... you didn't even I, know while they were there. No, I had no clue that it was her. That's I great. mean, I just feel like kind of a fool um but she does it's you know some other people were saying well she kind of has an aesthetic of a lot of women who would you would see at park and bind anyway true and she's not a she's not an attention grabber when she's not on the stage she was very subdued the whole the whole time yeah she was there last august i went to see uh culture club uh-huh the full band was here oh. in town and i was like wow so i started thinking come on maybe, come maybe, on maybe. come in come uh-huh. in come in Instead, we got Diggable Planets and somebody else, like those That's guys. Great. I thought, well, you know, not all is lost. We yeah, got some no other... Bo- no Boy George, but... Right, we got Diggable Planets instead. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense because, um, you know, for people that are touring, like I know when I toured, I toured for a few years with bands, and it's like you would you would plan ahead if you knew there was a place in that town that was an oasis while you were on the road that you could get the stuff that you wanted so all of that makes sense. Rooney Mara and other actors, you know, if they're going to be in town for six months or ten months filming a movie when she was doing Carol, she would come in like once a week with her yep. boyfriend, right? Yeah, and then her boyfriend would come in on his own. Yeah. And then they would get orders. And then her sister was in town filming last year. Oh, right. Um, yeah, and then there were, she actually didn't come in, but some people came in to get things for her because of Rooney. Right. Rooney sent her she's spreading the to word. us. Yeah. Well, and the, I those mean, are the, really sweet memories right there. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing is I think when when certainly when I heard that the store uh, that you were closing up shop, because I knew that you were talking about a bunch of different things. I knew that there were things that you were considering. And, and I don't know if these are true, but sort of the wind that I got was you were considering selling the store. You were considering selling a piece of the store because it was all encompassing. Yeah. It took everything for those 
10 years. Right. And I think um, for people that love a thing, the only comparison that I really have is I worked in radio for a long time and like I, I worked at a couple of radio stations, WNKU, mm-hmm. just closed up shop yeah. last week. Um, I worked at a, at a couple of stations that people cared deeply about. And when the doors closed, the heartbreak from the patrons and the listeners and the feeling like um, that something traumatic had happened um, was strong, but it wasn't necessarily shared by the people who were, I know Aaron Sharp and the, and the folks at WNKU, it was a big deal. It was a long time coming and it was painful. But at the same time, when something like that happens that you've invested yourself in for a long time and it's been tumultuous and toward the end, it's been kind of traumatic. When it finally ends, it's actually a relief. Right. And so I, th- I got the sense from you that there was this expectation that people really wanted you to like publicly grieve it. Yeah. And you were like, no, it's cool. Like, I'm right. fine. Yeah. Th- it was great. I loved it. But it's time. Seasons change and I'm moving on. Right. And maybe it was easier for you to move on than it was for a lot of people. Right. Who had come and, what, to and I know what helped me. And then I was sharing that with as many people as possible was that Dr. Seuss statement right. about don't be sad that it's over. Be glad it happened. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine tagged me in some post he did on Facebook a couple weeks ago about another I forget what it was that, oh, Rake's End, the local bar, uh-huh. yep. closed. It was probably about a month ago. Yeah. And I guess my, my friend Kevin posted something about, hey, everybody, remember that time that Park and Bind closed and Danny was thrown out there, that Dr. Seuss quote? Yeah. And I know that, honestly, that one line really helped me yep. a lot. And we heard from a lot of people saying just seeing that sign, that quote in the window with mm-hmm. our last day of business really helped right. put it all together. But I, and you know this, but I mean that's a testament to how important it was for a lot of people for a lot of for a long time. But by the same token, you can't keep something going that has sort of outlived its lifespan for you just because there's an expectation right. from other people. Yeah, we did, and I, I keep saying we. I considered a lot of different options too. You know, shrinking because the plan was because we made a major announcement we were going to reduce the amount the right. footprint of the store I remember in that. half. And just focus genuinely on the things that people really wanted rather than trying to fill a space that was too big for us. Well, because you told me the other day you were joking, but it was absolutely true that you stepped into the two hardest things that you can possibly do, which is retail and, and food service. Right. And you did them both because when you moved from people that, that live here know this, but um, when you moved from Central Parkway and Vine to the Caldi's location on Main Street, you doubled the space and you added like a whole bulk food section and you added a coffee and lunch counter that was reliably staffed at times of the day that actually made sense and right. like the best vegan food in town. I mean, it was great stuff, but um, that takes a toll. Yeah, it does. Managing all these these various arms. Yeah. And then there are all the external factors as well. You know, we moved from a street that was quickly emerging and then we went to a, a street, Main Street, which wasn't. Yeah, you know, and Didn't have nearly as much traffic. Yeah, so and those and that four blocks make a huge for huge retail difference. make a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, so you know, a lot of people did follow us. There are people that we we lost yeah. moving that way, and then the general public and you know just focuses on certain areas and then forget about other ones. And we were definitely yeah we definitely saw that. Yep, it's almost like we were facing the back of something in our storefront. On that Maine. makes sense. That's an yeah. interesting way to think about it. But with everything that was going on on Vine Street, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But still, so, people found us and we, we yeah. kept going as long as we did. Yep. And we could have kept going. Yeah. In addition to shrinking the space in half, I also looked into converting it into a, an employee and community-owned co-op mm-hmm. as well. 
so that it wouldn't all the burden wouldn't be on just one person. Right. It would be spread out more. Yeah. Still, that's not a guarantee of anything. No, I mean it's a it's a complete shift in focus. I know that a lot of people were sort of counseling you with that that the only sustainable way to move forward was to decrease the impact on you. Right. Personally. Right. And that's easier than it sounds. Yeah. Like how absolutely. do you reorient the entire business? Yeah. 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 Well, <clears throat> so was it scary? Oh, you mean starting it or closing it? Uh, well, I guess both, both. but I'm, most, I'm more thinking closing it because this is, this is 10 years. It's not an insignificant yeah. period of time. And, and the degree to which, so where we are sitting right now at the anchor uh, in Over the Rhine, we're at 14th and Race. So Park and Vine was about five blocks uh, east. Oh, east. And I mean, the degree to which Over the Rhine has changed mm-hmm. in that 10, 12 years is incredible. Yeah. Um, for better and for worse, there there are parts of it that are good. There are parts of it that are bad. But I mean, when you open that store from sort of pioneering that space on Vine Street to what Over the Rhine has become in the meantime, that's a lot. You accomplished a ton. Right. There had to have been some trepidation when you were considering, even if you knew that it was the right thing to do, to close the store and sort of close one chapter and and open another. Yeah, without a doubt. Actually, I had more fear of closing it than I did did opening, opening it. it. Really. So I, you know, I did a lot of thinking, probably overthinking, and got a lot of really, really good consultation from the group of folks I mentioned earlier. And I also had some trepidation about telling our staff because I wanted them to know before everybody yep. else knew. Yep. And you mentioned, you know, hearing about it, there were a lot of good friends I didn't even share it with. I got to a point where I had to stop. And I actually had people sign a document saying, oh, you know, wow. I will not share this information. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I had a, a a group dinner with some friends that we have like every six weeks. Mm-hmm. The night before, I made the announcement. Yep. I didn't even tell them at dinner. Wow. Did that? Were there people that were hurt by that? Yeah, one of them was <laughs> from that dinner group. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was really upset about it. Actually, has, has that been worked out, or is that? Still? Oh yeah, we're we're okay. good. All we're right. good to go. But and actually, what I've learned from that because I have this next act that's coming up. Yeah. Instead of like jumping on Facebook and saying, hey, everybody, this is what I'm doing next, I'm actually telling the people in person right. or reaching out to them via message, messenger, or yep. text or phone or whatever. Yep. So I, could, I feel like I could talk to you about that for an hour because I'm really interested in that process, but let's like shift to the next thing. Sure. So you, and I, I want to, uh, in the interest of time, like kind of skip through some stuff, so maybe I'll hit some highlights. Um, you know, you took some time off, mm-hmm. like with no, when you closed the store, you didn't have a big grand plan for what was next, right? right. How, yeah, the first how time in my life, that? I didn't have anything. Well, other than moving to San Diego, I, when I was 22 right. or 23, this is the first time I've, you know, made a big decision without anything to follow it up. Yeah. And you'd been, I mean, that makes sense because you'd been spearheading a serious enterprise for 10 years, the fact that you would need to take some time off and, and right. get your mind in the right spot. Yeah, and in some ways it's kind of a cliche and I'll still run into some people who say, so how's, how's retirement? And you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not retired, I'm just, I'm just doing things in a different, yeah. well, and you, different way. Like, I don't, you went through a bunch of stuff, like, um, I don't want to get into personal stuff, but like you had a, the end of a long-term relationship, the store closed, like you went through some heavy stuff yep. in a fairly short period of time. Right. And, and I moved. I mean, I had to move right. because of the As end of that relationship. That. I had to move. And then, you know, a year later, then the, the business was closing up. That is a lot of shifting. That's a ton. Yeah, it is a ton. So how long were you sort of 
you know, on the bench. In radio, we used to say somebody was on the beach, like as a joke, because <laughs> nobody could afford to go on the beach after they'd like lost their job. But oh, like, yeah. you know, like how long were you sort of just taking your time to figure out what was next before you? And I guess I don't want to say before what, um, before whatever happened that got you into yeah. the next thing. Yeah. So closed up mid-January to the public. We had the space until the end of the month to clean it out. Mm -hmm. And that period of time, I actually flew out to California to visit one of my good buddies. You were on the beach. I was. We were in the mountains, <laughs> though, this, this okay. time. I'm more of a mountain man anyway. Yeah. You know that. Yep. Uh, so that, And then I came back, buttoned up things in that space, and then I went out to Boulder mm -hmm. to visit some friends there, some Cincinnati friends. That's foreshadowing for, yes, the, it for is. the readers in the room. And then, uh, Go ahead. And then I came back. And I had been applying for different things and just getting one rejection after the other. And then I went, which was really interesting, and mm -hmm. then I went to Raleigh-Durham to visit my, my sister, my yep. younger sister, and started the thought process of, of, of moving there because she's there with my yep. niece, my one and only niece. Mm -hmm. And then while I was there, uh, Green Umbrella offered me a, a part-time gig. Right. with their Tri-State Trails initiative, which I took. Okay. And recently, actually last week was my, my last day there. So how long were you doing that? It was about, it was about half, half a year. Okay. And uh, they offered me different, you know, additional um, opportunities there, and I declined all of them. Just wasn't the right thing. Yeah. I mean, they probably still would have been good for me. Sure. Uh, but you knew, like, you, it seemed to me that fairly quick after the store closed, you were considering, like, I might need to move. I might need a different city, a different right change of scenery, new new setting, yeah. and literally starting starting anew. Which I've watched a lot of people do that. Maybe I'm paying attention to it too closely. Over the past year, just one after the other, people I know yep. who are doing the exact same thing or have done the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it seems like there's something with Cincinnati that it's gone through such a renaissance in some ways over the last ten to twelve years since I've lived here, and that has an impact on people. That mm -hmm. brings in new people, but it also pushes out old people who who want something different. Maybe aren't unhappy with the way that it's going, but just coincides with the time in their lives when they need to find the next thing. Exactly. And that's where you're at. <clears throat> yeah, and our good friend Angie Lipscomb, mm -hmm. she's like, I, I support you no matter what you do as long as you're not running away from something and you're going toward wow. something. Which is exactly... Good for Angie. I know. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what I'm getting ready to do. I'm right going on. towards something. I'm not running away All from right. Cincinnati. So uh, let's talk about that. You, you again, I'm going to sort of hit the highlights and tell me if I leave anything <laughs> out. You considered a bunch of different places. You put out um, some resumes, some applications. You were very seriously considering. We had a talk earlier this year where you were really seriously considering the triangle in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, that didn't work out for various reasons. Right. So um, I don't want to... You know, spoiler alert, Dan's moving to Boulder, Colorado. Right. The reason I'm going to give that away and just tear the, the Band-Aid off that is because <laughs> I really want to talk about your motivations. Like, I really want to know from you, in this period that you've been in right now, mm -hmm. what do you, what's your um, set of motivations? What are you trying to figure out? How conscious are you of those things? Are there, are there things that you said, these are the non-negotiables and wherever I go, these have to be there? Right. What's what is important to you, and sort of how are you thinking about that move, and what does this next chapter give you? What does it answer for those questions to you? Right. Um, well, like you mentioned, there were various places I was considering. I was the finalist for a position, or a finalist for a position in, in Chicago. I hadn't even considered moving back to mm -hmm. Chicago, uh -huh. which is where I was for nine years. 
being there Memorial Day weekend and visiting friends, it just enlivened me. Yeah. And while I was there, a friend from Cincinnati who has since moved up there sent me a job posting while I was on Greyhound back to Cincinnati. And I had four interviews for this position, two over the phone, two in person. They flew me up and I didn't get the job. Um, And that's okay. Yeah. And um, that's my only response is that's okay because it is. I think I may have been blue about it for a couple hours and I got over it pretty quickly. And then that helped me narrow the focus a little bit more. Raleigh Durham, Mm -hmm. where my younger sister, her husband and my niece live. Yep. Or, and that I've, you know, never considered living there prior to that. Or Boulder, Colorado, which I had now I've been there three times because I was there in August with a good friend on a backpacking trip. Yep. Um, And with my friend Christy, she was pointing out things that I was saying that I was probably not aware of. And one was if my sister didn't live in Raleigh, Durham, I would move to Boulder, Colorado, or Colorado in general. Yeah. So her pointing that out to me made me narrow the focus and and stop splitting hairs Mm -hmm. and and make the decision to move to Boulder where I have various friends. It's an environment that I, that really excites me. Just the yep. environment, the actual environment, yeah. mountains, natural lakes, foot um, of the flat irons, blue, yeah. the flat irons, you know, blue skies, all those, all those dreamy things. And then a town of about a hundred thousand people with an urban growth boundary around it. Yeah. Um, that'll, that would be the smallest place environment I've ever lived. That's I a mean, lot of good stuff though. It is Cincinnati, San Diego, New York, Chicago, you know, all much bigger places. Right. And then there's Little Boulder, which is only 45 minutes away from Denver. Yeah. Accessible. I mean, yeah. middle of the country, like kind of landlocked, but super accessible based on, yeah, Denver International. Right. So, I mean, people make these decisions uh, generally based on a constellation of factors. Mm-hmm. Um, money, right. uh, family, non-family relationships, other things get in there like title, legacy, authority or power like as you look at these regardless of where you would have ended up what are the things that that you're making decisions based on and that are most important to you right well and the yeah it's amazing you mentioned all those those reasons because one thing i've become more aware of over the years is ego and the the Mm -hmm. way that ego plays a a force in all of our all of our lives my good friend danny klingler is really uh his ego is focused on the the whole ego thing and how it affects what right. we do and, and i know being an entrepreneur it was really challenging my ego i mean a lot of that was my own ego no one told me i had you are the business yeah no one told me hey you need to open this business or run this business for me that was me yep. driving that whole thing and similar to this there there is i'm not going to a specific specific job or a guarantee mm-hmm. of anything um and interestingly, I have, I have, and I've asked my friends there who are from here. There's, I don't know, like half a dozen of them, who have been consulting me on this on this move. I'm like, I'm not worried, I'm not stressed out, I'm not waking up in the middle of the night thinking about this. Should I be? And they're like, absolutely not. And I have applied for a couple jobs, and I've gotten a couple of those little emails saying the position's already filled or whatever. Sure. And there are a couple other ones in the pipeline. It's literally, and from what I'm hearing from my friends there, if, if you really feel good about this place and you want to be here, you just have to come here. It's one of those places where you just have to right. land here. Yep. And then it will all it'll fall into place cool. as long as you assert yourself. So it's not, I mean, obviously it's not job or career with a capital C. Um, It's not a notch on the belt. It's not a step up on some path. Right. It's outside. It's outdoors. It's nature. It's relationships. Right. It's all those things. All those simple 
yeah. simple things. And that, that Harvard study that came out, it was either earlier this year or last year about what makes for a meaningful life. And this mm-hmm. is a 75 year study, Harvard study. Yeah. And what makes it for a meaningful life and its relationships. Yeah. It all comes down to that. It's nothing more. Yeah. Than that, which is simple as that. It's, no matter how much simple. we race around it, it's like meaningful relationships are the definition of happiness. Right. Yeah. So there's just a handful of people there that I've, you know, I'm connected with and, um, my gut is telling me that that is enough to, to help me land there gently. And I'm still working on the housing end of things. I'm looking into actually a cooperative housing situation there and then figuring out the transportation. I don't, I don't have a car as you all know. Yeah. And as you all know, I was actually looking at buying a car right. as most, most recently as Sunday yeah. with my dad and my stepmom. And that was really strange because I haven't done that in like 21 years. Going out with the, with the parents and yep. looking at a car. If you, if you don't know, I mean, that's the other thing that you would know Danny for in Cincinnati is that he's <laughs> everywhere on his bike. Right. Yeah. So here I am looking at a Toyota 4Runner, mm-hmm. which apparently has, is in demand in Colorado. That's like okay. the vehicle. So a f- another woman fr- or a woman from Cincinnati who lives out there now, she's like, if you're going to do anything, get one of those. You can just move all your stuff out here that and way. Offload it. And then just sell it when you get yeah. See, I love Boulder. that because even the transportation aspect, you're not thinking of in terms of what do I want. You're thinking about like what somebody else going to want in six months. <laughs> exactly. Which is, which is really good. Right. And I'm having to rely on so many other people to guide me through it because I'm yeah. just so detached from it. Well, I love it. I mean, we're probably at a time that we that we need to wrap up a little bit, but right. um, I, I love hearing it. I mean, uh, you know, Park and Vine was great, but the best thing about Park and Vine for me and numerous other people was you and was getting to know you and getting to make that relationship. And uh, as with, I kind of, I feel like I want to speak on behalf of Cincinnati, which I have no right to do, but you know, I'll speak on behalf of the few people that I feel comfortable doing so which is that you're going to be missed, but the impact that you had has been significant and lasting and demonstrable. And I know that wow. whatever's going to happen next is going to be really cool, and I look forward to seeing it. And I, look, I, I really just appreciate you sharing the story with us and talking about sort of what's gone into all of it and uh, keep in touch and Absolutely. Re- report back and let us know how it goes. Yeah, I hope it's, I hope it's meaningful. Oh, as, it will be. As you saw at my uh, birthday party uh, yeah. a month or so ago, most of my friends are coupled a lot of them have kids. A lot of them have a house, a job, cars, and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't. And the most important relationships in my life are in that, that house that yeah. day. And I don't have a lot of those attachments. So I'm at a point in my life where I can, I can do what I'm doing. You can do it. Yeah, I love it. Well, we'll live vicariously through you <laughs> a little bit. And we'll stay in touch, of course. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, man. I love you. I love you, too. This episode of The Distiller was recorded live at The Anchor, 1401 Race Street and Over the Rhine in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks again to Derek DeSanjos and the staff of The Anchor and to Omi Bugazia for the delicious Oaxacan old fashions. You can find the recipe on our website at thedistillerpodcast.com. Special thanks again to my guest, Dan Corman. Since we spoke with Dan, he has moved to Boulder, Colorado, as planned, and is currently making new friends, hiking new trails, and forging a new path. Good luck, Danny. Cincinnati misses you. The Distiller is produced, recorded, and hosted by me, Brandon Dawson, with co-production and booking from Terry Heist. 
Mixing by Justin Golden. Our logo was designed by Scott Ryan. You can find The Distiller on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also download episodes, find links and info, including photos of the guests and locations, and get in touch with us at thedistillerpodcast.com, including to suggest people you think should be on The Distiller to talk about their search for meaningful work, or if you think there's somewhere interesting we should record the show, or something interesting we should drink while doing it. It's all at thedistillerpodcast.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, thanks for listening.